Bonananian. One of the things we always say is, if you're not sure what's wrong with it, which in a lot of cases you're not, show yourself what's right. Prove what's right. Yep. And then you'll figure out what's wrong and you'll learn something along the way. The car doctor. The first thing the mechanic does is listen to the customer. you right. got to find out what the symptoms yep. are. Customer interview. You know, yep. what's the problem? Yep. If you don't know the problem, you're never going to get the solution. Right. That, I think, is the biggest problem or what's the biggest cause of misdiagnosis. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ronnie Nanny, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. More information about this radio show out on cardoctorshow.com. And, of course, we're up on Facebook if you're a Facebooker. And if you're a podcaster, we're up there on uh, Spreaker.com, all accessible through the uh, cardoctorshow.com website. Without any further ado, let's kick the garage doors open as we're busy and backed up, and Tom is banging on the door. Come on, Ron, get to work. Okay, let's go over to Steve in Maine, 05 Nissan Pathfinder and a P0300. Steve, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Um, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out why the injectors will be firing at different rates. Well, one bank's running leaner than the other, for for starters. Let me ask you this. It's setting a P0300 um, random misfire. Does the check engine light flash at any given time while you're driving? It flashes when I get on the throttle. Okay, so when you put your foot in it, and then does the vehicle have a low power issue, do you feel, or does power level feel yeah, normal? Yeah, it, it doesn't want to go above three grand, and it doesn't like going up hills. Okay, so it's struggling. All right. So, any diagnosis been done to this prior to this, or is this? Um, I hollowed out the cat. Um, it had a code for an intake solenoid. I changed that out. I put new plugs and coils in it, and I cleaned the fuel injectors. You've cleared. And I put a new fuel pump in it. You've cleared all the cats. Yep. All the cats are empty. Yep. Okay. Um, what's... I, even, I even ran it with no no muffler, nothing on it. Still did the same. Okay. Um, what is manifold vacuum? Just out of curiosity. I that. All right. I want to know what manifold vacuum is. Um, let's take uh, some propane and sniff around either that. I mean, I don't think you're going to have a smoke machine, but if we could put some propane in a bottle with a little wand and sniff around looking for a vacuum leak, if there's if there's something affecting, or let's feed some propane to the motor. If we feed some propane to the motor, where do the, where do the fuel injector times go? Obviously, one bank's running leaner than the other, so that's the reason why fuel injector time is different from one side to the other. This could also be a case of cam timing, but I I generally haven't seen the Pathfinder's jump time. Not saying it's impossible, but it's not a common occurrence. When you when you hollowed out the cats, which that's going to be another issue at some point. Uh, were they mm. were they broken up? Were they just were they in good shape or? Um, yeah, one when I broke through the screen, it was all powder behind it. Okay, all right, and you're sure they're all completely empty? Yep. There isn't a chunk somewhere down in one of the pipes restricting no. that particular pipe. And as you said, you did it with the cats off that it made no difference. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's go looking for vacuum. Let's go looking for fuel trim. Where are fuel trims when, when this is all going on? Um, I don't have it on the scan tool right now. Okay. Well, when you're... I did spray brake clean around the intake 
though, around all the manifold gaskets right. when it was running, and it didn't change. All right, well, how do you... So let me ask you this. How do you know that the injector times are different bank to bank? You're seeing that on a scan tool. I did, yeah. I remember. I put on the scan tool. One was 12 and one was 6. Okay. So, you know, keep in mind, you're looking at the effect. You're looking at what's making the engine run like it does, but mm. you don't know what the cause is of that. So no. put it back up on the scan tool and look at fuel trim. The long-term right. fuel trim. Uh, short-term and long-term, but let's, 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 and I would be using OBD2 for this. I wouldn't be using Nissan language. OBD2 will work just fine because it'll keep it yep. simple and basic. But where's, where's fuel trim? If fuel trim is different side to side, which I'm suspecting it will be, and you, you feed it a little propane, does that correct fuel trims? Does that bring the fuel trims into more balanced inline side to side? Does it change it at all? And then does that directly affect the injector on time? All right. And if it does, then you know it's running lean on one side versus the other, and then we've got to think about what's affecting that one particular side. Okay. All right. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the vacuum brake booster comes in on the driver's side rear of the intake plenum? It's kind of like in the middle, yeah. Is it is it in the middle, or is it one side versus the other? I have had some cases where brake boosters will affect, because that's a vacuum leak, they will affect uh, fuel trims on the pathfinders as well as other vehicles. So that's something okay. to think about. So, you know, I like what you're doing. Not that you need my approval, but I'm just saying I like what you're doing, brother. Just let's, mm -hmm. let's think in terms of fuel trim. Where's fuel trim at? Fuel trim will tell you why the injectors are doing what they're doing. All yeah, because right. I've just been fixing all the codes, and right. this is what's left after all the codes are fixed. Right. So you got to go back to you got to go back to what's causing that particular issue to happen. Now, last thing, and I've I've seen this happen uh, on Nissans as well as some other vehicles. Look at the cat shells. All right, you know the actual bodies that the cats were in. Mm -hmm. I've I've had some where they actually rust through. Okay. And that extra Perfect. oxygen being pulled into the system will skew the O2 sensor, the downstream O2, into a lean condition, causing the injector to open up more on that particular bank. All right. Well, I do have an exhaust leak. Would you think that might be causing it? Yeah. Which side's the exhaust leak on? Where's the fuel trim? And work your way backwards. It's on the driver's side, and that's the side that was um, half. The injectors were staying open half as long. Right. So it could be that that exhaust leak is, because keep in mind, the computer has the ability to look at total fuel trim and adjust accordingly. Mm -hmm. And it could be affecting the opposite bank to go long, looking for a similar response. Yeah, and the way the EGR works on that is the exhaust valve stays open and actually sucks in through the cat. Right. Now, so it but you could should be that exhaust leak. Well, you should not. You should not have EGR at idle. Yeah, it runs fine at idle. Right. Okay. I get on the gas. Okay. Okay. I would. I would start to look at that, but pay attention to fuel trim. I think that's where you're going to find your answer. Okay. All right. And think about that exhaust leak. And you know, maybe you've got to put a muffler bandage on it temporarily to seal it up, and then you'll know that at least when you solve it that way, then go out and buy a pair of cats, and that should take care of it for you. Okay. All right, kiddo, let me know what happens. Call me back. You know, I'm always here for you. All right, thank you. You're very welcome. Let's get over and talk to Dino, New Hampshire, 67 GTO. Dino, welcome to the car, doctor. How can I help, sir? Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I still have my my, GT, my 67 GTO from high school, and uh, it's been 25 years in the garage, and I decided to maybe take it out this summer. And 
So the wheels were totally locked up in the, in the rear. I, I, it was like a bad dream getting the drums off. I had to bring them to a machine shop after to be repaired. Uh, was total mess inside. Wheel cylinders weren't even rebuildable, so I bought I bought everything new. Right. And one of the things is I've asked ten people, and I've got ten different answers. As you know, there's two shoes. One shoe is a little bit longer than the other. Right. The short shoe goes to the front. Yeah, okay. That's the first. Yeah, that was easy. Right. Primary and secondary shoes. Primary shoe always goes to the front. Okay. Right. And the second question, there's a spring. And this, uh, this particular type of brake system, I understand, was made for 11 years from 1964 until 1975 right. uh, on mid-sized GM cars. And at the bottom of the, uh, where the, you know, where the little wheel is. You right, the star it. wheel adjuster, right? There's a little spring that actually sits on top of that. Yeah, that keeps the bottom of the shoes so that they stay together against the star wheel. You want to know which way the, you want to know which way the long part of the spring goes. No, I, I know that part, but right. I, I can't, I can't get it on. Do I put the right hand brake on first and put the, uh, the the hold down spring, or do I hook it up and then? Try to put the hold down spring on in. in Are, do you in, do you have the star wheel adjuster in before you're doing that spring? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, so I always start. I always do it this way: the two hold downs, right? The, yeah. The, the front and rear hold down. I do my springs at the top. So yeah. that that heavy rod, that heavy bent rod that goes to the self adjuster lever goes down first. Yeah. It, it hooks to the self adjuster lever. Then I put the forward spring, the short spring, in at the top, right? And yep. then, I, then I put the long spring that goes into the secondary shoe. I hook that up, okay? Okay. And then I've got, all I've got left now is I've got the long spring and the star wheel, correct? Right. So what's preventing you? You put the, you leave the star wheel out, you squeeze the shoes together at the bottom. You don't care if they open up at the top anchor pin, because right, yeah. once you put the star wheel in, it's going to spread them. So you're going to put the long shank of the spring so it clears the lever and put that into the shoe. And then the other end goes into the primary shoe. Where's the problem? I'm, I'm lost. I, I, I'm trying to pull the spring in, and I can't with a pair of pliers, and I can't. I just can't get it. I need you know, a little, just a little bit more, you know? Are you sure you've got it in the right hole? Yeah. Yeah, because I have a picture. Okay. Um, send me a picture of what you got. Can you do that? Because generally they just fall into place. All right. Now you can't, are you, are you pulling the bottom shoes together? Well, what I did first, I, I tried putting, I could get, the, I put the spring on, which was no problem at all with, with, with the right hand shoe, not attached the backing plate. So then I tried to pull that into the backing plate doing that way. And I didn't have much luck. So then I put the shoe on the backing plate, and I tried to put the spring on, and I just couldn't quite pull the spring enough to hook it into the, the second hole, the, the, the small hole. Yeah, that, that shouldn't be an issue. i got to tell you, Dino, unless you've got, and you've matched all the parts, right? All, yes. All the parts are correct. I mean, this is kind of like a no-brainer. We used to do this in the driveway with screwdrivers. Uh, <laughs> you know, this was this was just so easy. Um I just I would just encourage you to just look at parts one more time, make sure everything's correct, because you know it's pretty much it pretty much goes the way I described it. it but just, you said 
you have both shoes in place. Yes. With with the hold down springs before you put that spring on. Right. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Now I'll, I'll try now, that. Now let me ask you this: You're using a pair of pliers. Why can't you use a pair of needle nose vice grips? Uh, I could. Right. Why not? I mean, yeah, I, I could do that. Yeah. You know, it's it's. Um, you know what I do find is I don't have the I don't have the the, the grip strength that I used to have. I'm getting older, and uh, <laughs> you know I just can't. You know, it's, you know anger has worn me out as I've gotten older, and um, you know you just put a pair of needle nose vice grips on, and that gives you a nice steady pull, and then and click, and you're done. And you could try that too. All right, I'll try know, that. And when, and, when I start this thing after 25 years, I, I know these lifters are going to make a racket. Should they do anything? Should they? Someone said to put like. Two quarts of WD-40 down the crankcase. Nah. I don't know if that's... What I would do is I'd pull the plugs, all right? Yeah. I'd pull all the plugs out. I'd shoot a little trans fluid. I'd, I'd, make up, I'd, I'd make up a quart of, well, three quarters of a quart of trans fluid and a, a quarter quart of WD-40. Mix it okay. up in an atomizer spray bottle or an oil can, and that's yeah. going to be your restoration fluid. I'd give each cylinder a shot, let it soak. I'd hand crank it, give it a shot, let it soak, hand crank it, give it a shot. All right? And then, you know, on the third or fourth day when, when, when you're ready to go, I'd spin the motor around, put some rags over the spark plug holes so you don't blow all the crap and contaminate out over the, over the fender wells and such. And then yeah. uh, put your plugs in it and uh, fire it up and see where you go. All right? But at least you've added some lubrication to the top end. Right. Okay, I'll, so, I'll, I'll give that a shot. And see, give crossed. that a whirl. I mean, I've got to think the rings are going to be sticky stuck, and that's going to be an issue. And, you know, we've got some other things to consider there. But do those things, and uh, the fact that it still cranks over. And if you ever want to sell that old Pontiac, you know, I could probably give you a couple of bucks for it, because what could it be worth? It's an old car right now. All right? Send us some pictures. Okay. We'll put them up on the Facebook page. You take good care, brother. You let me know what happens, and I'll do what I can for you. All right? Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. 855-560-9900. I look good in a Pontiac. I was just meant for that. Elbow down, put the gas in. Whatever. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. What's more fun than listening to Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's get over to Joe in Wisconsin. 67 Cadillac, or as we used to say, Cadillac. Joe, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Um, I have a 67 Caddy that was driven from Florida to Wisconsin with loose, loose spark plugs in it. How loose? Um, I put a socket on and turned them out with my hands. Okay. I mean, was it, did you try turning them in first just to see how far they'd go in? No, I just, I was going to, it didn't run very smooth, so I was just going to replace the plugs. Okay. So, so I, I got new plugs, and I go turn them out, put my socket on and my wrench on it. Oh, what the heck? They turn out with my fingers. Okay. So you put fresh the, you put fresh plugs in, and it still runs bad. Yeah, I put fresh plugs in. I've, I've gone through a used carburetor, a rebuilt carburetor, a new carburetor. I've gone through a tune-up. Well, three different sets of tune-ups on the thing, and it still runs rough. Okay, so let's 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 back up and start at the beginning. What's the history of the car? Did you just buy the car? No, I've had it for thirty some thirty-four years. Okay, so you know, first thing I want to do is: was it sitting in Florida for any length of time before you brought it to Wisconsin? Um, it had like seventy thousand miles on it when I bought it. Right. And I drive it about 
maybe three to 500 miles a year. Okay, but was it sitting in Florida, you know, six months, seven months, eight months, a year? I, there's no record on of the uh, work that done on the car that it was sitting along a long time. Okay, well, what I'm trying to get at is, was it running well when you put it away? And if so, when was that moment versus now when you've driven it to Wisconsin? I didn't drive it. It wasn't me. I was driven by another party oh, okay. who brought that water to Wisconsin and treated it in on a, a new Lincoln Town car. So as long as you've had the car, as long as you've owned the car, whatever that length of time is, it's always run rough. Yes. Gotcha. No gotcha. matter what we do to it, gotcha. it runs rough. Okay. So how rough is rough? When you, when you say that, Joe. Uh, well, it's idle. You don't have to worry about idling. Right. Will, um, will, it knock it, will it knock a glass of water off the air cleaner? It shakes so bad? Uh, no, not really. Okay. So yeah. it just, but you feel resonance through the steering wheel. Like a mm. brrr. You feel that little bit of a vibration through the wheel. Not really. Okay. Then describe, what do you mean by it runs rough then? I've heard other cavities in, in that vintage run, and they just kind of sit there and purr. Okay. This this thing, I don't, I don't know what it is. I was, we first were going to thought about putting a six liter in there, but nah. then I thought, nah. Listen. Now we'll spend a little money on this one here yeah. first. Listen, listen to me. All right. The the the. the, the you got a couple of things that that are up against you here, um, and so let's just break them down. Um, older car, especially an older classic like this, where we don't know the history. I, yes. I'd, I'd like to know what the condition of the fuel tank is. All right, not the outside, the inside. I'd really love a fuel sample. You know, if you haven't if, if you haven't taken a fuel sample, take one. Open up open up the fuel inlet. Put a piece of rubber hose on it where it goes into the carburetor, put a rubber hose in a, in a, in a, in a can and pump out a quart of fuel. And well, I run about two or three cans, uh, two or three tanks of gas through it a year. Joe, that doesn't matter, all right? If the, insi oh. if the inside of the tank is rusting, you won't know uh -huh. it until you look at the condition of the fuel. Okay. All right? So that's number one. I'll tell you, sit tight and stay put. Let me pull over and take the pause, and when I come back, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the rest of the list because I don't want to rush through this. So, um, But, yeah, fuel sample is right at the top of my list. Let's eliminate what's good, and we can talk about what's bad. Don't go away, Joe. I'm running in the car, Doctor. I'll be back right after this. so you don't forget to call for car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Rod. Let's get back to Joe in Wisconsin. Joe, you're still there, 67 Caddy? I'm still here. So, so let's do a fuel sample. Just, just you know, let's take it off the list. Put it, in a, put it in a Snapple bottle, let it sit. Is it clean? Is it good? If it's good, clear, and clean, then we can take fuel off the list. We know it's not a fuel delivery issue. Fair enough? Okay. Okay, so since yep. this since this problem happens at idle, you know while we're doing this cranking 
fuel pump test. Yeah, I'm not so worried about pressure. You don't say that it has a lack of power, but at least I'll get an idea what kind of volume comes out of the pump. And, you know, it's only a, probably a two-and-a-half, three-pound, maybe a four-pound pump. You can kind of count those numbers in your head as you're watching it crank over, but you'll get an idea. Will it fill that Snapple bottle in a, in a reasonable amount of time? Crank, 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 crank. Fuel pressure volume, take a sample. Eliminate it. Done. Next, you say you've put a couple of different carburetors on this. All yes. right. So when it's running with any one of those, has anybody done as simple as it's running warm, you've adjusted the mixture to where you want it to be or where you think it should be, and it still doesn't run quite right? Has anybody just sort of partially closed the choke flap to see if richening up the mixture makes a difference? It really doesn't. Okay, so it doesn't. It doesn't make a difference to it. You've tried that. Yep. Okay. If Have you tried clamping a rag over the top of the primaries of the carburetor to see if it makes a difference? Does the car stall? No, I haven't done that. Okay. Car has to stall. If it doesn't stall, it's drawing air from somewhere else and fuel from somewhere else. So I, I don't see how it can be. What it, usually that will prove to us is dirt somewhere inside the carburetor is affecting mixture. It should stall. All right, and I know you're going to tell me that, well, I've tried three different carburetors, but if you've tried three different carburetors with the same tank and the gas tank has rust and dirt in it, then guess what? You've, you've just put dirt and, and, and junk in three other carburetors. All right, so comes back to let's, let's do a fuel sample. Next, we eliminate fuel, we eliminate carburetors. Uh, we're, I'm going to eliminate mechanical engine. All right, burnt valve, things like that, carbon on the valves, because that's too easy. I would think somebody did that. Then we've got to talk about who tuned it. Did they, did they use a good set of points? Could we have a bad new set of aftermarket points? That, you, no, you they know? all came from uh, Napa. Okay. By my son. Well, just, just whose points is Napa buying? Napa's generally got good stuff. But I've also seen some, you know, Chinese junk work their way into everybody's line of parts today, and I just want to know. And then, are they set properly? All right? Yes. What I would look at is, obviously, point gap, and when I have the rotor off, look at the weights on the distributor. Does the, does the centrifugal advanced shaft of the distributor move? Are the weights stuck? Could I have a distributor problem? Could it be that I've, I've got a timing issue, and it's affecting the way that engine runs at idle, all right? So, yes. you know, we can't assume anything, all right? Look. Yeah, I assume too much already. <laughs> well, yeah, listen, you and I sort of sound like we're the same age group, all right, Joe? And, and the, yes. thing, the thing you got to realize is when we go to the doctor at this age, they assume nothing. They assume what was good last year. They want to look at it again this year. All right. Yes, so you've got to listen. I wouldn't even trust the harmonic balancer if you tell me the harmonic balancer comes around and it lines up number one at, at at top dead center. I wouldn't even assume that that's the correct position until somebody physically grabs the balancer and it doesn't spin inner and outer hub that the rubber hasn't deteriorated the past fifty years and it's not separated. Assume assume nothing, and then when you go through all this and it still doesn't run right. The heck with the heck with specs. Give it a little more timing. If it's starting to run better, give it a little more timing. Give it a little more timing. And if it gets to the point where it kind of settles and runs good, then at least you know it's mechanically capable. Now you got to figure out why won't it run right where it's supposed to be. What's missing? What's broken? All right, I gotta go. Do those things. You call me back next week. We can talk about it further. I got others waiting. I got a long line in front of me the rest of the afternoon. But do that for me, Joe, and call me back. Let's get over to Walt in. Uh oh. 
It's now time for the Hawaii version of the call doctor as we welcome Walter from Maui. So I have to send 10% of my check through this week because obviously Walter's just taking over the show once again. Walter, what are you up to this week? Hey, aloha, Ronald. It's good yes, talking to you. Yes, sir. What are you up to this week? I was sitting around contemplating doing nothing one day, and I was wondering, how do you really tell if a turbo is working on a car? I well, know the principle, but I it could just be sitting there doing nothing, and I wouldn't know how to tell whether it was working or not. Okay. You got a good, you got a good working turbo car? Uh, no, it's a Volkswagen. Well, that's true, but we'll, we'll, we'll pretend it's a good working turbo car. Get a get a okay. good working get a good working turbo car, and disable the turbo. You know, uh, undo the duct, or you know, see if it'll set a code. It'll it'll leave, leave the wastegate open all the time. All right, wire it open so that it always dumps, and you'll see the difference between no boost and boost. And, you know, you'll get the idea. I mean, one of the ways we check turbos is we'll actually take the intake off, the intake boot leading up to it off, and with a screwdriver, gently, gently, because we don't want to damage the fin because those things are balanced to spin 150,000 RPM plus. If we give it a push, or sometimes we'll use a Q-tip, it's a nice soft, give it a push, it should spin like butter. All right? If the turbo doesn't, okay. if the turbo's frozen, that turbo's not working. Now... Cars today, depending upon the year, make, model, and how smart the onboard computer is, it'll actually set a fault code for overboost, underboost. They've got sensors to measure, you know, the difference or changes in, in pressure on either side of the turbo, so they know what's going on in that sense of the word. But it's, you know, it's 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 pretty much common sense stuff. But I always tell everybody, you want to know the difference? Disable the turbo, open the open the wastegate all the way, so it's always dumped, and drive the car and see what happens. And then let it close up, and you'll see the difference. Usually it's a sense of you'll get that kick, and you'll know exactly what you're feeling and exactly what you're going through. All right, kiddo? You do that, and you uh, give me a call back. We can talk about it further. Let's uh, let's get on over and pull over and take a pause. I'm Ron and Andy, the car doctor, 855-560-9900. We'll be back right after this. I got my first real six-string. The car doctor. Let's go over and talk to Kurt in Wisconsin. Kurt, welcome back to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, I called you a little while back, and uh, I had a car that <laughs> was draining, draining. I had a bad battery cell or something like that. Okay. I have a 2002 Honda Civic EX. Right. And I talked to you on the phone a long time ago. You told me to call Honda of America because it had a training that was slipping in between second and third gear. Right. And I called Honda America, and they, they said, oh, uh, I looked up your car, and there's no warranties uh, that are you know, outstanding recalls on your car. And I looked up, and there's a whole bunch of these automatic transmissions from, I think it was 2002 to 2006. That, yeah, well-known well known documented problem across the board on, on the majority of them, sure. And I asked them if they could look up on their computer, because I was talking to some uh, lady on the phone, and she looked it up on her computer, and she, she didn't show any problems on their end when it comes to these cars. And I was like going, oh, you must not be looking at the same computer I'm looking at. Well, and the other side of it is, too, they're, they're probably, they, they can probably fine-tune the information a little bit such that they know they'll base it on, you know, this serial number between this serial number and this serial number or this production date and that production date. But, uh, you know, my experience has been that the majority of the early 2000 and up Honda Accord Civic Odysseys through 2006, 2007, 
the transes are problems. There's still problems now. Later on, there's still some other issues. Um, some of them had to do with they added uh, coolers to the gears. They set up a different type of splash system inside the trans to cool the gears in between. That they, that was causing failures. But yeah, no issue. What's your question? Well, I they, you told me to call them and see what they said, and they said, well, it's not under warranty. Right. And and they then they said, well, I see no recalls. And I looked up on their thing about recalls on Honda of America, and then I looked up on carhistory.com, and there was seven. And obviously there's a discrepancy between them. They all had that them, them HTB, STB no, uh, letters oh, right and, by the recall. Yeah, National Highway Traffic Safety Authority. So do this. Print out the copy of the recalls from NHTSA. Yeah, but I don't know if the one's there on the trainee. I haven't, you know, the thing is I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I, I, what I hear on her end is there's a bean counter saying whenever possible, tell them that we can't do anything. Right. Well, of course. Well, what? That's that's new to you? Of course, that's what they're saying. Uh, right. You know. But I'll tell you what. If you tell them you want to buy a new car, they'll be glad to sell you one. So, right. Right. Uh, but I'm still thinking. I'm still thinking. Then they told me to run it on down to their shop so they could diagnose it. Okay. Yeah, and then and, uh, and, I'm, and, I'm like going hey. So then your question to them is, listen, I'll come down, I'll spend the hundred and ten bucks for you guys to diagnose it. When you tell me it's a bad trans, what are you going to do for me? Right. And no, that's, I, that's yeah. That's that's I, I, that's your answer. Um, right. You know, tell them tell them what Honda stands for and how you believe in it now that the way you're being treated. You know what Honda stands for? No. Had one, never did again. All right. right. And just, right. just just lay that one on them and see what that does for you. All right? Well, L- let me run, Kurt. i got to go. i got to get somebody else up here. I'm running out of time today. Let's go to Eric in Maryland, 16F250, and some questions about change. Yeah, Eric, yeah, I'm here. What's going on, babe? Hey, hey I love your show, and I love the Honda remark. But anyway, <laughs> um, i got a, a 16F250 Ford. I changed the oil on it yesterday. Right. And for, I changed all the oils on all my cars. And the... the uh, it was like an aluminum cylinder thing that the uh, the uh, pH uh, two or five, whatever it is, goes up into. Right, it came loose out um, of the housing. What's that? It came loose out of the housing that it threads into. It no, well the filter didn't, but it seemed like the whole housing came loose. And when I when I screwed, you know, I I went ahead and did the change, you know, praying to God that this thing would come back together, and it did. And I didn't know if that was normal. It it, it tightens on itself, or has something came loose, and I, I should get it to the dealership. As well, soon as you're, you're talking about the threaded piece that sticks out of the aluminum housing was kind of loose and wobbled. No, it was the housing itself. The housing itself. The housing yeah, it, that bolts to the block is loose. Uh, yeah, it it looks. Uh, I can't super explain it right now, but it's it's made out of aluminum. Yeah, and I, I know and, what it is. It's it's just a, it's an aluminum mirror that comes off the bottom driver's side yeah. corner of the block. Um, yeah. Right. So isn't there there's two bolts or three bolts that hold that flange to the block itself? See that I don't know. I I couldn't see anything. I don't even know how it's connected. I'm sure it's not bolted. I'm right. sure. But, yeah, it's got to be bolted you know, up there somehow. Um, yeah, I would let I would let somebody take a look at it because it it, it sounds like something's. Uh, yeah, we don't want to find out the hard way. Let me, yeah. let, me, let me say it like that, brother. You, you know, it's, <laughs> if, if we have any doubt, you'll find out the hard way when the buy a new yeah. car light comes on. Um, you, know, oh, sure. you, know, you know which one that is, right? That's the red light yeah, on the exactly. dashboard. You know, it says check engine. It should really be check checkbook because you're going to be writing a big one. Um, oh, my so God. Let's, yeah, let's let's do this safe, and let's. Uh, we don't want to see any check uh, check lights there. Come on. So, uh, all right. 10 right. I'll do that. All I right. appreciate it. You're very welcome, sir, and thanks for the call. Thank you. You take good Bye-bye. care. Yeah, you don't want to. We don't want to do that. Um, cars are getting way too complicated to deal with all this stuff. Um, 
and they're getting better. They they really are getting better. I couldn't help but think how much better cars are getting. I, Danny, my tech, he works. He pumps gas at nights, Monday and Fridays. He's hardworking kid. He guy. He's no kid now. He's and um, you know he's he's pumping gas Monday and Friday nights. And sometimes I, if I need gas, I'll I'll run over. I'll get gas from his station, and um, I'll bring him dinner. You know, because he he won't eat till eleven thirty midnight. And I, you know, it's the, the father in me comes out. So I go to McDonald's last night. And I'm sitting in line at the drive-thru at McDonald's, and I'm thinking, you know, thank God cars got better, because everybody's sitting there in line, right? Windows down, it's nice, it's becoming spring here in North Jersey. And, and, and I don't understand, I'm sitting in the car, and the guy in front of me is like, what do you got? Dude, it's McDonald's. Cheeseburger, hamburger, big, small, chicken nuggets, right? French fries. There's not a lot of choices here, okay? And I'm just thinking, you know... And then why is it they never have their money out? That's the other thing I don't understand, right? And then they're looking for money, like, you know, like, uh, and it's, it's $10.32. This guy's looking for the two pennies. I'm like, come on, let's go. It's 10.30 at night. I just, you know. Uh, anyway, 855-560-9900. More about the McDonald's trip right after this. I'm Ron Anany in the car, doctor. Don't go away. Running the car doctor, we are back. And then, just to finish the McDonald's story, right? So then I get up there, and the menu I'm talking about, I was in the McDonald's drive-thru last night thinking about how good cars are now. You don't get killed by the exhaust. I remember pulling into McDonald's like 30 years ago in black one, right? Here I am, you know, open header, small block Chevy, running, you know, race fuel out on the street. And you pull in, and the guy behind you would be wailing, hey, get that thing out of here. Like, you know, you're smoking them out, and they took a lot longer then. So you pull up, I pulled up last night, and the digital display board, they actually list your menu items when you, you know, when you buy something and you see it pop up. So I said, gee, what's a number two? And the guy explains it to me. And I said, what's a double cheeseburger premiere? And he's like, well, that's, you know. and then he's got to read the whole menu list. Like it's got lettuce to me. Dude, why don't you just say a, a cheeseburger with everything? He goes, okay, a cheeseburger with everything. Has it got bacon on it? No. Well, then it's not really a cheeseburger with everything, is it? Like, you know, it's, and he's like, well, that's $1.19. I didn't ask you how much it was. I just want to know, do I get bacon on the cheeseburger? It's, oh, my God. Let's get over to Dave in Iowa. Who, uh, Dave, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. Well, I, I had been laughing about that for about five minutes. I, it's funny. Yeah. I wanted to call you guys up and tell you uh, I thank you for the uh, OBD2 uh, Diagnostic Made Easy by uh, Steve Cook. Uh, the book that you that I won the other day. Oh yeah, I good, think, great book, isn't it? Oh, I'm telling you, anybody that's listening to your program right now, they need one of these. I'm telling you, whether you're experienced or not, because it is it's so informative, and uh, I'm really impressed. And I don't endorse anything unless I'm impressed with it. Okay, well, thank you, sir. So, uh, you know, Steve, Steve, will be glad to hear that he uh, um, he put a lot he put a lot of heart he put a lot of his heart and soul. Into that oh, book, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, absolutely, uh, and it's got a glossary in it. So if you don't know anything, you look through the glossary, and it'll explain everything yep. and what the yep. mean and everything. So you know, it's it's the the problem today is a lot of people working on cars, both professionally and non professionally. Don't yeah. really understand OBD2, and half of them can't even spell it. So, uh, you know, it's kind of an issue. Um, it really is. So, But anyway, David, listen, as always, sir, always good to hear from you, and uh, I'm glad to know that everybody's safe out there, and I hope the Midwest, Iowa, and all you guys, I hope you guys all just uh, dry out and get well real soon. So um, our blessings and our prayers to everyone out that way. Wow, what a two hours, right? Maybe next week we'll talk about Maybe I'll go to Wendy's next week and see what happens there. I can only imagine. But till then, I'm Ron Anany, the car doctor, reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.